It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hesitate to ask, but what's what's it like right now for you? When you've got the your um, line up the basket, just in the zone. Um, you know, I still work on my game every day after shoot around and practice. Um, just having the same um, work ethic, same routine. Um, yeah. Uh, Scott Brooks was just asked essentially, "Is this what you've been providing even more than he expected?" And of course, to some degree, sure. Is this? What was? How much is it exceeding your expectations, or is it? For yeah, I mean, obviously, I didn't think I would be uh, shooting, playing like this either. Um, but um, I told one of my friends, um, you know, if I'm healthy, I just I'll let everything else take care of itself. So I know my game is. I know how hard I work. So um, if I'm healthy, everything else will fall into place. All right, that would be Wizards forward slash hero Mike Scott. He is there speaking for all of us when he says he is stunned that he is doing this, but he credits his success, Adam Rubin. Mike Scott credits his success with a hard day work at the office. Get it? Mike Scott, the office. Sorry, I had to do it. Uh, ben standing here for another Locked on Wizards podcast. After a Wizards win 191 over the Clippers, Adam Rubin, a.k.a. at Liddell's Place on Twitter, is here with me to discuss another Uneven performance by Washington, at least this time. They didn't wait to the last four seconds or so to, uh, to, to, to get this over with. They had a uh, 17 to 5 run or something about that, uh, starting around like four and a half minutes in the, in the game to put this away. So we'll get to what happened. We'll get to the Mike Scott of it all and we'll maybe look ahead a little bit here to Sunday when the, uh, LeBron James led Cleveland Cavaliers show up. Uh, so. We'll get to all that. Of course, you can find us on iTunes or anywhere else you do your podcasting. I'm at Ben Standing on Twitter. And 
I'm ready to talk some wizards, Adam. Uh, I guess first and foremost, do we want to go with, oh boy, here they go again. Another game where they're playing a team that is uh, losing record. The Clippers were insanely shorthanded. We already know no Blake Griffin, no Patrick Beverly, a bunch of other guys out. Or do we want to go with, hey, they, they have won two in a row. Uh, Mike Scott's doing some good things. We get in the positives. I'll let you decide. What do you want to go? The the, the negative or the positive? Well, I mean, I, the Clippers, the lineups they were putting out there were not very good. I mean, they're they're heavily so depleted. So we're going with the negative up front. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, so you know, you can't give <laughs> you give Washington credit for building a lead, uh, for almost maintaining the lead, and uh, and then putting them away late. It's really that stretch in the fourth quarter was the main problem. Well, but, they definitely didn't maintain a lead. Twice in the first half, well, they had 12-0 runs, two separate 12-0 runs, and yet only led by five points at halftime. They were up by as many as 18. They had a big lead in the third quarter, and then the Clippers came back, tied it before the Wizards had that late run. So they definitely couldn't, I guess, until the very end, they sustained a the lead. Right, but they even when the Clippers came back to five at the end of the half, that was sort of a, you know, you could feel that run was coming for Washington. You never really felt that the Clippers had a chance uh, to win, I didn't think in the in the first half, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter when Scott Brooks put in the, uh, you know, uh, I I don't know what you would call what you would call the lineup of because uh, they 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 were in control when Scott Brooks put in Sadoransky, Frazier, and Meeks, all backcourt players and. Markeith and Mahimi, and this was the Markeith who is not really producing right now. So you had four guys surrounding Sadoransky who can't really score, and surprise, Washington didn't score. So, so let's give Brooks a little bit of a oh, – let's, let's explain this a little bit here. Otto Porter only played three minutes in this game. He left in the first quarter. Scott Brooks told us after the game he, he got hit in the hip, said he was in a lot of pain after the game. It's day-to-day. So you know he's had hip issues before. I think that was a rookie year. Problem. So that's something to keep an eye on. So you didn't have Otto Porter. Then Markeith Morris picks up his fourth foul less than one minute into the third quarter. Then John Wall is playing on a minutes limit. He basically got to 30 minutes, which is kind of where Brooks wanted him. So to start the fourth, when he looked at all that, he didn't know Otto. Oubre had already been playing. Scott had been playing. He kind of had it like, well, can I buy time? I'm not saying it was a good look. I'm just saying that's what he tried to do, and it, it failed. He got a timeout, and put the starters back in, and they eventually worked it out. Yeah, I mean, I think he waited – well, I don't think he should have put the lineup in, but I think he did wait a little bit too long because Mike Scott only played 23, 24 minutes, and he was 9 for 10. And I'd say with that lineup, I really think that Mike Scott needed to be out there, given how he was playing in this particular game. Just get some offense out there because everything he was throwing up would go in. So it was sort of a slow bleed. It gave – the Clippers, uh, you know, some hope. I think they cut it down to four at that point when he put the starters back in, and that's when John Wall immediately got stripped by Juwan Evans in the backcourt, giving up a basket, and then he made a bad pass to Mahimi. And from that point forward, when the Clippers did tie the game 82-82, that's when we saw the old John Wall take over the game. And, and that's really where I think Washington turned it on, and that's really where the hopeful part comes in because I think that's the Washington team that – People are hoping to see when everyone's healthy. It's that last few minute stretch when they can just run a team out of the building. Um, that's really what the hope is of what they could turn back into. All right. So Mike Scott, nine of ten from the field, which is really good. Uh, I'm just gonna. That's my analysis right there. Over the last six games, 
hold on to the, your head, Adam. 34 for 43 from the field. That comes out to about 79% shooting. That is nuts. I mean, you know, he, he admitted it's the hottest stretch he's ever had. Uh, I'm gonna he, Mike Scott. I thought it was pretty good post game. I, I maybe we'll uh, play some of that audio if I do a podcast Saturday. Don't count on it. But if I do <laughs> ahead of Cleveland, maybe I'll put in some of that, or maybe I'll I'll, I'll do something on it later. But he he was pretty good talking about all he had to overcome and how he worked in the offseason to get himself ready. Uh, and all that. And look, obviously, Mike Scott's been something of a, of a revelation here where we constantly, you know, everybody constantly t- talks about all the things that management has not done well for the Wizards. But clearly, Mike Scott, at this point, 29 games into the season, is looking like a massive bargain. They signed him for the minimum. Let, let's uh, let's go back here in time. They signed Mike Scott, I want to say like four or five days into free agency. Uh, they did kind of need another forward who could make a three Behind you know Mar- behind Marquise Morris, but obviously Mike Scott had a miserable year with Atlanta last year. On the court, he had the drug arrest that eventually was thrown out off the court. He had a lot going on. So, what was your take? Were you like, oh, okay, Mike Scott? He's had some success before with Atlanta. He's a really cheap contract. This is an interesting. Or you're like, oh, what is going on here? Bargain basement. This is all the Wizards can do. This is not that exciting. I don't know about this. Well, I liked him a lot better than the Jody Meeks signing because Scott was more of a dart throw. He was going to be the end of the bench. You knew what he could do. He could score. He could shoot the three, and that's something they needed from uh, the power forward position, especially with Wall needing somebody out there who can score. Markeith is really the only other option, and and on the second unit as well to have some scoring because that, that's really the main problem on the second unit. There was no scoring at all. Um, so in terms of a dart throw, in terms of a minimum guy at the end of the bench, I liked Mike Scott a lot better than Jody Meeks because Meeks was going to be taking over a role like the Marcus Thornton role that was going to be a lot more minutes and a lot more asked of him. And, you know, defensively, I just had a lot of questions about his his ability to be on the court. So I thought that was a fine, you know, end of the bench dart throw because not much was was asked of him. That That's sort of been the problem with benches being rotated through every year is when you bring in the Trey Burks and the Marcus Thorntons, uh, those guys are being counted on to play major minutes. Those are the guys who should be end-of-bench guys, but but because they keep rotating the bench, they're called on to play major minutes. And and Wall, in his post-game uh, conference today, mentioned about how he's trying to pick his spots with this minutes restriction. And one of the issues is that the bench, they keep having a new bench every year, and he, they always got to get attuned and, and give the bench confidence. And, and that's sort of been an issue, is not having the continuity of, of a bench. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just to sort of tie up the Mike Scott of it all, 
Yeah, I, I think I went back the other day and looked at something I'd written right around the time he was looking like he was going to come in here. And uh, I think I like way way he said it. it was a dart throw. I mean, he had, you know, he was a really key figure for that Atlanta team that made uh, that the 160 games. And, uh, you know, he's obviously been playing great. We fall focused a lot on his emoji tattoos and the random hockey jerseys post game. But obviously it's been a huge deal. Now, I, I would say that I still would not in the camp that says Mike Scott should start. There are still limitations with what he can do. And, you know, a lot of times you, you are better off getting maximizing a player by minimizing their minutes. And I don't think he's a guy, you know, for example, Sunday, here comes LeBron. Mike Scott is not a guy you want out there defending LeBron. Uh, which I'm not, which is to say that's probably the case for most of the league. And it's not to say that Marquise Morris is 100% and ready to take on that challenge, but obviously they're going to have to hope he is. But, uh, you know, I, I think Mike Scott is doing a, a, a good job. I mean, just to sort of go back with the bench, I mean, Kelly Oubre, not, not a great shooting night, but he had a key four point play late. He had eight, uh, points. Sadoransky, 11 points. Uncharacteristic three turnovers. He had them in like the first six minutes. I looked up, he had like, Three in like 150 odd minutes or so th- th- or this month prior to this, so he yeah. got a got a little lost there. But, but ultimately, he came in. He was again uh, the point guard uh, du jour after Wall. I don't know if that's the right term I wanted to use there, but anyway, he, <laughs> he, he was the backup point guard after Wall, the first guard off the bench. So so that looks like it's a thing. In fact, I don't even think Frazier was going to play if they hadn't had all the no. all the injuries. Uh, Tim Frazier's not even getting in the game, but um, you know Brooks had to go basically 12 deep. Because of the injuries and foul trouble, um, you're listening to the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben standing here along with um, Mr. Adam Rubin. So, look, I mean, one, one thing I guess I was thinking about is, and it was mentioned to Scott Brooks earlier today, was it is around this time last year where the Wizards started to take off, right, and got got on that run where they won what 17 straight home games. Uh, I, I you know, at that point they had a losing record. So I'm not sitting here going, hey, look, they're, you know, they got two wins in a row. You can start to see this is going to take off. I don't know if anybody at that point last year thought to themselves, this is a team that's about to go on this ridiculous run. Um, I would like to say that, uh, you know, maybe this is, maybe we're getting close because Wall's back. He's, he's still on a little bit of a minutes limit, but played 30. You know, Marquise played 21, said he felt better than he did the other day. We'll see how he feels tomorrow. Uh, of course, I guess what I'm saying is has is dependent on what's up with Otto, but let's just assume that Otto is good to go. And the bench with the way Mike Scott's playing, Sadoransky. I mean, it, it, it's maybe sort of feeling like okay, if they're going to get something going, maybe they're maybe this is finally going. Maybe we're getting close to that happening. Are you buying into that at all? Is any party you think yourself? I'm not saying 17 straight home wins, but any party we're seeing us seeing signs of a team. That could actually rip off, you know, six of eight or something to that effect. Because right now it's been win, win one, yeah. lose one, win two, lose two. Well, I don't think Wall's ready yet to to go on that type of run. I mean, he was talking after the game about how he's he's still getting his wind, he's still picking his spots. It may not take him that long to get up to speed, maybe three or four more games. But you know, this is a Clippers team that I mean, Jawan Evans, who played actually really well, he was all over the place, but yeah. he played 40 minutes. He he was the reason for Sadoransky's uh, three turnovers, playing full court press, and he had some trouble to start, and then sort of got got comfortable after that. But Jawan Evans was a terror. That's who stripped uh, Wall when Wall came in the game in the fourth quarter. So uh, you know, I don't think the they can do it against the Clippers, but I don't think they're ready yet to. We'll see. Obviously, Sunday's a big test against Cleveland, but 
I, I don't think Wall's near where he can play the 35 minutes a game and just take over a game for that long of a of a stretch. So, I mean, the pieces are there. The bench is where you need it to be, and it's a good position to be where you just need the starters to play because that's really where you're, you know, you have less concern about the starters gelling at some point during the season than you would the bench. So, in that regard, they're in a, they, they seem to be in a good spot to, to build, but they just haven't yet put it all together. Yeah, no, I, ultimately, I mean, I was sort of uh, setting you up to see how optimistic you were. <laughs> um, you're right. I mean, you know, Wall's not quite there. I mean, he looked. He finished with 15 points, but it didn't really, you know, two games in a row it has not looked like the all-world up-tempo flying all over the place guy. I mean, it was a stretch after Brooks. That's point when you talked about the crazy lineup and Brooks put the starters back. Wall gets immediately picked by Juwan Evans yeah. in the backcourt and then turns the ball. Then they had another turnover immediately. Two turnovers in seconds in the backcourt led to, you know, soon thereafter the Clippers tied the game and it was looking like, oh boy, here we go again. Um so yeah, so so between him, between Morris, whatever's going on with with, with Otto, uh, and you know Gortat's not exactly clicking right now completely. So yeah, it's it, it's not there yet. I'm encouraged by the bench. Obviously, Mike Scott's not going to shoot 79% from the field uh, for 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 long stretches. But you know, just to see the confidence with him, Sadaransky, Ubre obviously always has that. I mean, he oh, I should mention Mahimi was back today. He played 17 minutes. Had six rebounds, um, you know, uh, the relative, I mean, the, the Wizards won the rebounding battle despite DeAndre Jordan getting 16 boards. Uh, so, you know, look, I, I, I think, um, I don't know. I, it's sort of frustrating every time I feel like, okay, here they go, you know, the, then they have another down performance. The good thing is there's no way in hell they're going to overlook the next team. So whatever, <laughs> so, so whatever we're going to say after that game on Sunday, it won't be, boy, they overlooked another opponent. Or they, or they let their guard down. I mean, Scott Brooks was very clear after the game. We have to play a lot better. There's no doubt. Uh, there's no arguing that. My bet is that they will, Adam. Speaking of bets, uh, you know, Adam, we have a uh, sponsor sometimes here on this here uh, podcast. My Bookie. Are you familiar with uh, My Bookie? Uh, please tell me more. <laughs> well, here here is the deal because it is a time of year where you need to get holiday cash. And I guess if you think that one way to do that is by wagering – you should consider going to uh, going to my bookie. You can play the money line, side, or total. My bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win, which is kind of key because uh, last time I checked, the Christmas thing is pretty close. We're in the midst of Hanukkah right now. If you'd like to get Adam a present for Hanukkah, you probably have to hurry up. So uh, if you can win some quick cash with my bookie, get that going. Um, Adam, what size shirt you wear? Uh, medium to large depends on the cut. Medium. All right, there, <laughs> there, there, there you go. Um, all right, so so here's the deal. Uh, they have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. Simple to do. Here's all you got to do: go uh, join now with uh, my bookie, and they will match your deposit with up to a fifty percent bonus. That sounds pretty good. All right, so to get your bonus, use the promo code. Locked on. So visit mybookieag. Use promo code locked on. You play, you win, you get paid. And when you get paid, you got to buy Adam a shirt. You don't have to, but that'd be cool if you did. It's, it's that time. It's that time of year. Um, all right, Adam. So uh, you know, look. I mean, I don't think there's too much to say. The Wizards are done with the Clippers for the year. Two interesting games, to say the least. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Scott Brooks is tired of looking at at, at them. And uh, you know, look, he was obviously as was everybody. Glad to be rid of LeBron James last time the Cavaliers were here. 
For those of you who don't recall, LeBron had not one, not two, not three, but 57 points. It was Marky Morris' first game back. He clearly wasn't ready to go um, physically, and the Wizards had zero answer for LeBron, not that teams often do. But, you know, you guys have heard me say this before. I think Markeith is sort of uniquely the most difficult guy in this roster to replace in that they don't have a guy who can sort of do his, uh, do what he can do when he's right on both ends of the court. I don't think he's right, clearly, physically, but at the same point, he's playing. He did have a key play when it was tied to 82-82. He did, uh, what, steal the inbounds pass and drove down for a layup. That really started the decisive run. So, you know, there are moments he's, even in this stretch, you know, he's had some good games against the Pistons and some other ones, but they've been mixed in with a lot of crap. I don't, I don't think, I think he would probably agree, agree with you uh, or agree with, agree with that. Uh, I'd like to see you tell him that. We'll, we'll see if he agrees with that. So I might phrase it a little more artfully. He can be intimidating in his post game. He, uh, he can, but not, he, not intentionally. But you know, you, yeah. you see, you don't know what the response you're going to get. <laughs> but you know, maybe he's he's pretty candid with with, with his play when, when when he's been off. And um, you know, I mean, look, Scott Brooks has basically said we have to get more from him, so he's going to be key there. Cleveland is obviously what at the point when the Wizards faced him the last time, it was all this nonsense talk. Oh boy, is Cleveland in trouble? They're they're kind of scuffling, and then they came here and, and gave gave it to the Wizards and won that game. Um, you know, it's one of those things where we can talk about, well, they got to match up with, with LeBron and how you're going to deal with Kevin Love and Cleveland's bench is doing really, uh, you know, is, re- is really performing nicely with, you know, uh, Dwayne Wade and Kyle Korver and all that. And all that is very true and, and, and so, and, and so on. But, you know, ultimately the NBA, the day in, day out of it all, you really can't focus too much on your opponent. You have to worry about you. And the other day when, when Memphis was here, I asked the interim coach, JB Bickerstaff, at that point, they had lost 15 to 16. So I'm like, considering what you guys are dealing with, normally this is where I ask the visiting coach, how do you deal with John Wall and Bradley Beal? And I feel like asking you, do you even worrying about that right now? Do you just focus in on what you're doing? And he said yes, but even in general, you can't worry too much about the opponent. You obviously have to somewhat, but it's all about you. And I kind of feel like the Wizards, this is the Wizards issue right now. It's about them. They have to come out with effort. They have to come out aggressive, you know, play, play smart, obviously on both ends of the court. I'm not saying anything rocket science here, but it, to me on some level, it is they have to come out, play with intensity for the for the full 48 that we've not seen a ton over these last 10 to 15 games. They do that. I won't say win or lose, that's good enough. They need to do that, and then they need to do it the next game. Pelicans are in here after that, and so on and so on. Maybe, maybe facing a team like Cleveland can jumpstart them because they're still somewhat spinning their wheels. Well, I think this Cleveland game comes at a good time because I see it as sort of a, a win-win because, you know, everyone ex- Cleveland's playing well. Everyone expects them to beat Washington. If Washington were to lose, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But if they were able to beat Cleveland, this is a team, Washington, that, that sort of, you know, they when they are confident, when they're playing well and go on their runs, it's when they really get that attitude. And beating Cleveland at home, would be something that is possible to get them started. They play the Pelicans the next game here in D.C. That's, you know, DeMarcus Cousins coming in here. That's someone John Wall always gets up to play. So, I mean, this is a sort of an opportunity for Washington to get a win. Against the Clippers, they don't really get anything from that win. It's expected. They don't. I don't see much of a carryover. But playing a, a pretty big game against Cleveland, that's something I think to catapult them into, into making a run if, if they're going to do it. So I think this is an opportunity to be more than – just one game in their minds that they can finally get back to playing the type of basketball they were supposed to be playing when we started the season. So 
I look at it as, as a good a good opportunity for them to sort of get something going. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, like I said, even if they win the game, you know, obviously the narrative will be, oh, there we go, the Wizards, you know, they, they be, you know, competing with, you know, maybe the best team in the East and all that. But of course, you know, we all know what the real narrative is that they're doing fine against the good teams and lousy against the bad teams. Although they did get, obviously, the win against Memphis and the win against the Clippers. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so we'll see. I, 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 look, obviously it's going to be a fun game. It's been, it feels like they have been playing, and you know, I also cover Georgetown, and it feels like they've been playing. Georgetown gets criticized for a lousy schedule, and it right. feels like the Wizards have been playing a bunch of teams like on a lousy schedule, in part because so many of these teams in a row now have not had I mean, the, 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 the Clippers both games, the Nets, and Memphis all missing key to star players. And they played, it was Phoenix without Devin Booker too, right? Phoenix so. without Devin Booker as well. So, right, it feels like they haven't, you know, they haven't faced – a a, a a a a game a truly game opponent ready to go. Obviously, Cleveland's got uh, a lot going on. I mean, you know, the, the, no Tristan Thompson, but you know, that's a minor thing, relatively speaking, uh, for them. So I'm excited for that, just to sort of see the spectacle of it all, how they compete against LeBron, and uh, should be a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Um, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right. Any final words of wisdom from you before we uh, get it get out of here? And I will ban you. You can't talk about Sadoransky no, here. No matter what you're going to say, I'm just I'm just uh, throw it there. I, by the way, I'm going to just say this. I we uh, pre or before the game they they have meals uh, they serve me, dinner to the media and Adam and I were simultaneously we're, we're up at the to pay at the same time and I asked the woman if Adam was giving money and uh, was was giving her check money. And uh, Adam was like, come on, who's getting that joke except for you and me? Everybody on this podcast is getting this joke. So I'm going to use it here because, uh, because you know, somebody else has to get it besides me and you. I still think it may be just uh, you and me. But I'd say the thing that I would take away is that last stretch when Wall came in and, and played as he had in the past. And the whole team was playing well. A couple times in a row, Wall found uh, Beal for a three. Uh, the nice play where he waited and, and Beal came free on a curl. Then he got um, Kelly Oubre, the four-point play. And so those are the things. I mean, that's what we've been waiting for. So I think even though it was only a few minutes, that was the few minutes when it was a tie game and they were about to be – it would have been an awful, awful loss if they didn't come through. And for them to come through that strongly in that three- or four-minute stretch, I think that's – you know, let's, let's hope that's a sign of what's to come. You know, I mean, it is sort of important to recognize on some level. I mean, we, we, we can't judge the Wizards solely off of last year in that they started off, you know, two and eight and they, you know, it took a while to get going. Um, but they are 16 and 13. They are currently looking here in the East. They're fifth. I mean, they're, well, they're tied for fourth in terms of games back. I mean, that's, you know, the, we entered the year thinking could they compete for the top seed? So that's not great. But the point is between, the injuries, some inconsistencies, you know, to be at 16 and 13 is not terrible. 
I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just saying if they actually could get on the run here now, they're not that far away from getting right back into that. You know, I mean, they're four games out of third, so you know they got a little bit of work to do. But considering we're only 29 games of the season, right. it shouldn't be that complicated at all. You know, clearly Boston, Cleveland, Toronto have had some good runs. It's time for the Wizards to get on one here at some point, you would think. So, you know, as much as that feels like I'm constantly or we're all constantly sort of, oh, what's wrong with this team? They're still in relatively good shape. I'm sure that's a message Scott Brooks would want me to get out there to the masses. <laughs> so I will uh, I will carry that water for him. <laughs> you're, you're doing uh, Scott Brooks' work? Yeah, sure, why not? That sounds more like Ernie Ernie Grunfeld work. Doing Scott Brooks' work, but without, uh, without the paycheck. The paycheck, yeah. All right, so let's end it there, Adam. Definitely appreciate it as always, man. Of course, follow Adam on Twitter at Liddell's Place and go read his work on truthaboutit.net. Follow me at Ben Standing um, Podcast on iTunes. If, you know, if you're listening this deep into it, I definitely appreciate it. If you got a sec, if you're not already a subscriber, please go do that. Go leave uh, a rating, put a comment in there. A nice one would be would, would be swell. And uh, you know, it's all good for everybody involved. All right, that's it. Until next time, see ya. Neal gets open for three. Dagger! Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.